Hello, everyone, and welcome to the club. It's Rachel, and I'm back with my mom, Rachel. Hello, friends. And we're here to discuss uh, stage two, right? We did stage one, the story. We talked about how Rudy passed away, how we found out. And now we're here to talk about stage two, which we call the aftermath. And so for those of you, if you're just joining us, we're a mother-daughter duo doing a podcast, sharing our experience of losing a son and a sibling, my only sibling, and how we survived. And so we want to share that with you. So here we are, the aftermath. Um, Let's see. So it is... I don't know, do the next day, the I next guess, day. the next day, um, because we talked about in the previous episode, the aftermath for us, what I'm talking about is immediately after. So what it looks like immediately after, afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, how do I even wake up the next day? And so I would say in the beginning, it's, you're still in shock. There's definitely shock. That's how you s- kind of cope, survive slash cope with it it's like a coping mechanism you're you're in shock right it's like emotional not just body it's like emotional shock so everyone is around people are coming from i mean elementary school that you know elementary friends he had we have cousins you know all the cousins are here people are staying the night well the house is full the house is full and you know even people coming from your you know your past dad's past old friends mm-hmm. um you know my past like just my elementary friends, you know, just everyone's coming out of, you know, from everywhere to give their condolences, to let you know they're there for you. So there's, there are meals being sent. I remember, uh, the first night that it happened, our neighbor, she, um, lived across the street and I was outside crying. This is after the two gentlemen left and uh, my then boyfriend was inside calling people because he was the one that had to call people and tell them and start telling them. And then I was outside just sitting by the tree, by a tree, just crying. And I remember she she would park in the garage, so her garage door is rolling up, and I see her lights, reverse lights, reversing out. And I'm bawling. I'm just there, distraught. She was on her way to work? She was on her way to work, yes. She would leave for work at the same time every morning. And so she stops her car, jumps out of her car, runs across the street, and she grabs me, and she's like, Rachel, are you okay? What's wrong? And I told her, and, you know, she's like, oh, my gosh, Rachel, I can't believe this. This is horrible. And, And so, you know, she hugs me, and then, you know, she left to work. And when she got home that night, she dropped off a meal for us. And so, um, and then from there, like I said, other meals are coming and baskets and, you know, so everyone was around Mm -hmm. and up until the service and for the service, for me, my role, like I had a kick into like where I talked about the, the dynamic, the family dynamic even changes because I had to kick into like, okay, now I'm an only child And now I have to take care of my parents, like right now, because, and really, you know, mom, because, you know, dad is taking care of us and making sure we're going to be okay, Mm -hmm. but I had to make sure you were okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking care of, you know, funeral arrangements and we actually cremated him because that's something that he wanted. Right. And, um, another reason why, to be honest, 
he that's what he wanted he had talked about that before but another reason why we decided to cremate him mm-hmm. is because it was just too hard to do the burial thing it was just easier for us to yes except i mean because we, we to bring him home to bring him home yes because we had a hard time thinking that we would have to leave, leave him there, there and then visit him there and so, and not that that's uh the it. wrong way yeah no, that was just, just for, for us, us. we worked. were so attached Actually. to him <laughs> um but like i said there's no right or wrong, wrong. way at no. all the first number one reason is that that's what he wanted rudy wanted to be cremated, cremated yes and then again for us it was like okay that works out for us because, because now i just, can literally I, just bring you home yeah um and so and i know that sounds just crazy but that's how it was. It's like so at the end of the service when everything was over and everyone went home and we're cleaning up the hall, you know, the little area where we're, you know, we ate and stuff. It's like we pick up his urn and we put him in the car and we drove home with him. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so everyone's there. You know, there's, we, oh, the community put together a car wash. Mm-hmm. And this is where... This is where, like, from the very get-go, from the very beginning, people were there. From the very beginning, they were carrying us. The community held a car wash in the community of Woodland, where we were born and raised. And they raised money to pay for the service. Services, yeah. His work, again, he was a chef working in the Napa Valley. Uh, his work where he was working... Uh, catered the service. Yeah, event. Yeah. They, oh. they catered everything um, and with no charge. And um, what else? I mean, everyone was just, just like pitching in, right? Oh, the, the boys. He has a group of friends that he grew up with. Again, we grew up in a you know, small town. And he had his group of friends and they made jerseys. Uh, he's oh, a yeah, huge San Francisco right. Giants fan. Will yes. Clark was his favorite player. And so they made jerseys with the number 22 and right. you know, his on name on the back. And we all wore the jerseys. And it was just all of this love and support right. and uplifting and caring. And everyone was there. And it was just, you know, you can call it an event. That's fine. Because it was I like, know. it was a celebrate. That, and that's what, you know, most we people to call it, right? It was a celebration of life. We are all here to celebrate Rudy's life. Mm-hmm. I We had, um, I mean, even... People that I worked with, because I, again, I was teaching at the time, and Rudy would come in and help. He would do, in the classroom, he would do um, little demos with cooking, and we oh, would make yeah. pumpkin soup he with the kids that. and show them, like, this is how you roast this. It comes mm-hmm. from the garden, and we roast it, and, like, farm the table, and we would do demos with the kids. And then in one classroom, we had a turtle, a pet turtle, Winona, mm-hmm. and he <laughs> would come in because it was like, oh, my gosh, the, it was a, such a dread to clean the huge turtle tank. And so he would come in and help me after school and clean the turtle tank, you know, every couple of weeks. And, and so the teachers, they all knew they him all where knew I him. worked. They knew who he was. And again, we're close. So there you go. Of course, they know who he was. So, you know, teachers showed up, you know, mm-hmm. educators and counselors in the schools. And a lot of people were there. There were a lot of people out of service. And that's what we were surrounded by the first week right right and and this is why you know i call it we call it the monday after the service so and for him i think we actually had his service was actually on a friday (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um so it just kind of happens to be that way but what i'm talking about is you know in that first week there were you know obviously we took i mean i was on break so i didn't have to worry about 
I didn't have to go back to school for three weeks. I had three weeks off before I had to go back to the classroom. You, I don't think you went back to work right away. No. Okay, I was so substituting. You were substituting, so, so you had the option. option yeah. Okay. Dad had to go back to work the mm-hmm. following. I mean, I think he may have taken two weeks off, right? Yeah, he took two We weeks had off. cousins that were taking time off. We had some of his friends that were taking time off. He had a childhood friend that he grew up with, Norm that had never taken a day off. He followed in his father's footsteps and he had never taken a day off, you know, ever in his whole career. And, and he took some time off when Rudy passed to help get things together. And so everyone's there. People are taking time off and, and, and you're all together. And even after the service, like I said, and you know, when everyone else left and there's that core group that we still all came up to the lake mm-hmm. and once we've like i said we cleaned up at the at the funeral home and then mm-hmm. we um packed up everything packed up broody and this little core group goes comes back up the hill to our house at the lake and so we uh like i said it was on a friday so we hung out until sunday night it was you know our cousins and friends and there was a little camping group out here and we hung out and celebrated his life for the whole weekend yeah then Sunday, they all go home. Next day, they all to, had to go to back to work. To work. And then boom. Okay. So, again, you're in shock. And then when everyone leaves and you're there alone with your thoughts, and you still can't fathom. You still cannot comprehend. Your brain cannot comprehend what has happened. Mm -mm. It is not real. No. I I would think, I knew it was impossible, but there was like this weird thing that my brain was doing that would be like, somehow it was a mistake. Like somehow this, Mm. it wasn't really him. I don't know. And I would dream about that. I would remember, I remember having dreams in the beginning where, it was a mistake. Yeah, and it was like he would be, I had a dream, a, a reoccurring dream where he would be like locked in a shed. Not like anyone was holding him hostage or anything, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it was like somehow, I don't know, some shed in the middle of a field somewhere and he was locked in there and then he comes out and comes back and he's like, no, it was a mistake. I'm here. Like I'm found, you know? Mm-hmm. So I used to have that reoccurring dream. And then there's just, I mean... You don't even want to, I don't know, like wake up in the morning. You don't want to even go to sleep because you don't want to, I don't know, Not I wasn't like having nightmares, but I, it's like I don't even know how to get into it other than this. It's like the first stage should be the worst. And it is because that's mm-hmm. when you found out, right? That's when, you know, but. The aftermath is just, it's the darkest place. That was the darkest stage for me because I did not see light. I did not. And and I know it's like, you know, we joke about like, oh, it was the end of the world. But like, we were serious. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way. And like I said, it's not that I thought like, oh, we were so special. It wouldn't happen. But it's, I just couldn't, again, wrap my brain around like this bond that would be broken. You know, like we all needed each other. We all were so close. And I just, it's not, it's not going to ever register 
that he's, that he's not here yeah. forever. Ever. It's, it hasn't sunken in yet. No. And all you're thinking is, and I'm going through the, the, this replaying the night over and over in my head, replaying the night. And of course, I'm playing detective because I'm trying to figure out where did he go? Did he get gas? If he would have got gas, mm-hmm. he would have got a Red Bull and he would have stayed awake. And, you know, but he had, you know, I checked the bank records and it was like he had gotten gas the night before. So he didn't need to get gas. And I mean, I was just, just, you know, and then we go to the crash site and, you know, we're picking up like, yeah, they towed the car and, you know, but there's like pieces, pieces of the car. Of the and car. Like, we're, you know, picking up pieces of the car and like the side, you know, mirror and I'm looking for his phone. We're looking for his phone, which we never found. And, you know, just trying to process, you know, and looking at the, like the marks on the road from where he went off mm-hmm. and, you know, and how close he was to the house. How close. He was three miles from home. He was so almost close. home. And like I checked his phone record and I know like the data was playing. It was like still playing. Like there was some. And so for me, I was like, oh my God, someone's using his phone, you know. But it wasn't that like he would listen to Pandora on the way home. And so I'm thinking, okay, he was listening to Pandora. And then like, I don't know, somehow it's still streaming or who knows. Like, I mean, all these things you're trying. Why? I don't know. Because it makes me feel better to figure out the last moments of his life. You know, to figure out what was, what was he thinking? What was he, I don't know. And so, you know, like I said, the, the reason why the little details I was talking about, you know, him having laundry, it's like, you know, these two gentlemen leave, you know, we've called people, people are coming in now and I'm like, okay, here's laundry. Here's this laundry basket full of laundry. That's clean. He never, he never folded the ones in the dryer. Now I never want to take the clothes out of the dryer. Because, you know, that's the last thing he had, like, touched. It, and, and, and and there was. It took time. It was like, okay, well, eventually, like, I have to wash clothes, so they have to come out. But it was days before. There was a Slurpee in his bathroom trash. He had, you know, had a Slurpee the day before. And he said, like, the cherry co- cola, mm-hmm. <laughs> half cherry, I half know. cola. And there it was in the trash. And I would go up there and look and, you know, see it and just be like, I don't ever want to throw that away because he drank out of that. That was the last, I can just see him drinking that yesterday, yesterday, you know, and the food in the fridge that was in Tupperware that he made and we're eating his food and he's not here. The the, the plate I left for him is there and he never got to eat it, you know, and then you go into his room and I know I kept his room the same for a long time. I don't know, like a year Mm -hmm. at least. a year. Where I didn't dare move anything, anything, you know, change anything. And he had clothes in his closet. He had some chef's jackets and some jackets down in the downstairs closet. And I would go into the closet and I would just, you know, bury my face into his clothes because you could still smell his scent. And I would Mm -hmm. just hug his clothes and smell them and live in the closet and be like, Oh gosh, I can't even tell you how much it hurts to miss you. You know, like I can't tell you, you know, and so there's, you know, and then we started like talking about how I remember like, like I said, like you're joking, but you're not joking. Like this is, this is our reality, right? So we start joking, like, you know, prior to that, we're, we try to be healthy and you're like, try to eat right and exercise and ex, you know. And we start joking, okay, we're not going to exercise anymore and we're, we're going to eat, eat fast right. food every day because 
why do these things to make you live longer when the reason that you wanted to live longer is gone? And so now I just want to do all these things that, you know, so I don't have to live longer, right? And so from there, those thoughts become depression. So shock for me first, and then I had to get into that leadership role of I have to take care of you guys, you know, cremate my brother, bring him home, put him on a shelf, and 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 then everyone's gone, and I'm in the closet smelling his clothes, and depression sinks in. This is where it comes. And I can tell you that I... I mean, I may have had like some sort of depression here and there, like situational, Mm -hmm. you know, again. And I I do want to say that um, we don't claim to be experts. We don't claim to have any kind of certification in counseling. No. This is just our experience, right? So for me, I've always felt like there's situational depression. Something happens, circumstances, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, something happens. Or, you know, some people I believe are born with depression. Right. Like mental health. And so... I can say that I've had situational depression before here and there. You know, we've raised our cousin. We have some, you know, things that we've gone through, worked it through. But this was just, yeah. So it's it's a different depression. And it's like, this is how I would think. And again, I'm home alone, right? And so I'm thinking, like, I, it's, okay, I don't want to scare people and say that like I'm suicidal. It wasn't that, but it's not, not that right. Because I'm thinking, I just want to die. Mm-hmm. I just want to die. Like, I don't want to do it. And excuse me if this is, you know, too much for you, but this is my thought. I don't want to do it, you know, but I want to die. Mm-hmm. And so if that means like, what if I just, I'm, you know, again, we're, we live up a hill and I'm driving thinking like, what if I just drive off this cliff? Mm-hmm. You know, like what would happen? You know, like I'm, it, I'm not. Am I gonna know? Like I'm just gonna go off the cliff and then close my eyes, go off this cliff, and all this pain will be over, and I'll be with my brother. You know, and then there's like, and then it got worse, where it was like I would be home and just thinking, like, I mean, I would, I. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I said, I don't think that it's like necessarily like I'm suicidal, but it kind of is because it's like, okay, at first I want to drive off a cliff, right? And then later on the thought is, well, like if you did die, how would you do it, right? And then from there, it's like, well, yeah, but then who will find you? And then I thought from there, my parents. Mm-hmm. And not that they would find me, but it was like, okay, I can't do that to my parents. Like, there's no way they can lose both kids. But that's how close I was to my brother. I just wanted to be with him. I didn't think about, you know, I want to commit suicide and I want to end my life. I It wasn't in that thought. It was like, I want to die because I can't live here without him. Mm-hmm. I cannot do it. You think I can, Lord? I cannot do this. And there was a point where I got angry. Like, we'll talk about, like, support systems in the next stage, the next episode. But, you know, the one of the things the pastor told us, which was wonderful, was he says, God wants you to be 
real with him. Mm-hmm. He wants, if you're angry with God, you tell God okay. you're angry with him. Yeah, yeah. And he will forgive you. But he doesn't want you to not be real with him. He doesn't want you to lie to him. Mm-hmm. So if you're angry at God right now, you tell him, I'm angry at you. And so I started doing, like in the beginning, remember I said, okay, I have to be like, okay, Rudy, and we love you and everything's great. And I love God because I have to have a relationship with God because he has my brother and my brother needs to go to the other side without worrying about me. And I don't want to, you know, him lingering here, worrying about me. All that was in the beginning. Then I started to get angry at God Mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. that because I started thinking, you know what? Like I have lived my whole life. This is how we raised. I live my whole life serving you. I mean, I'm a teacher in early childhood education. <laughs> okay? I live my life serving the Lord and my purpose here and what I feel you put me on earth for. And I was going to live the rest of my life doing that. Every single day. Doing something that was for service for the Lord. And then you go and you take the best thing in my life my favorite thing in the world the glue that holds the family together all the joy in the world for me mm-hmm. you just took it and why and what do you want me to do now you want me to keep going you want me to get up and go to those children and teach them and serve you how can I do that I'm so angry at you for taking that away when you knew I promised you I was going to serve you. How do you expect me to get up and do this? How am I supposed to do this fight? You're out of your mind if you think I'm going to get up and fight this fight. I can't. And so from there, I just... Let God know, like, I didn't say forever, but it was like, I'm on pause. And mm-hmm. until I get right, I don't know how you expect me to do anything <laughs> but survive, right? And then, oh, so I know that, at okay, so then at work, I was getting a little bit of, again, you know, in early childhood, you're co-teaching, they're more than one teacher more than one teacher in the classroom. And so I had a co-teacher that was struggling with, after the three weeks, it was time for me to go back to work. And I didn't go back to work right away. I even, I said, okay, I need another week. It was just like, I mean, come on, how am I supposed to put a time period on when I can go back to work? First week of school comes. And and again, we're prepping. We don't even, the kids aren't there. And so I'm like, "I, I can't do this. I need another week off, okay. In the first week of school, I said, I need another week off. I can't do this. I'm out of sick. I'm out of paid leave. I'm out of all of my... I don't care, but I can't go in there. And for, for me, it was... Um, and I know I explained this to you before, but when Rudy first passed, and I would tell people, it was like, we were talking about him as an adult. Oh, he was a chef, and he went to cooking school, and he took care of his family, and you know he was you know, a good man, and my dad raised a good man, and... and in person, and I mean, we just, we always talked about him. We were so proud of him as a man, right? Mm-hmm. And that made me proud. That made me like, I want to brag about my brother and put him on this pedestal because he was a great person. He mm-hmm. ended up being a great person in life, great man. When I thought about our childhood, 
Ooh, okay. That would trigger something like I couldn't even think about it. And I learned this, you know, we'll talk about it when we do the rebuilding and we talk about went to counseling, but our counselor uh, talk to me about that mm-hmm. and how the childhood, because I grew up with him in our house as a child. And it was, cause I told her, I said, there's something about when we think, when I think about childhood, there was this commercial and it's, I think they used to still play some of them, but it's like a cruise ship. And there was like maybe a Disney cruise ship, who knows, but they were playing like little mermaid in the background. <laughs> and not that he even ever watched that movie with me. I mean, he probably had to at some point, but right. <laughs> it was just, it triggered, and I remember, like, I would watch, that would have that commercial that would come on, and I would cry because I would be, like, it would just take me back to, like, childhood. And so there was something about childhood that I couldn't do. It was really hard to think about us as kids, you know. Then I think about vacations and think about just us being together. It was, it was just us, you know, just, you know, like I said, we, we grew up with our cousins as primos hermanos. You know, they're, like, siblings to us. So we're very close. But even like Christmas morning and, you know, summer, it's the every day was with my brother only. It was just the two of us. And if mom and dad, you know, went out, it was just the two of us. If mom and dad were watching a movie in the living room, it was just the two of us in our rooms playing Transformers and Easy Bake Oven, you know? And so it's, I think for some reason, you know, like our counselor taught me was, he was the person in, in my childhood, like my peer who linked me to that. And so that going to the preschools, the early childhood and going back to work was hard for me because especially like the first weeks of school where they're all, you know, they're coming in and their new backpacks and their new school supplies and you're meeting the parents. And it just reminded me of us. Mm-hmm. And us going to school and you taking us to school and making our lunches. And I couldn't do it. I could not do it. So I took some time off, you know, extra couple weeks. And then I had a co-teacher who was not happy about it and, you know, making it a little difficult. And so I just felt like, okay, I just need time. I just need time, please. You know, please, like, just give me some time to, to, to figure this out. Give me some time to get back to to myself. I even told myself that, give me some time to give me back to myself, you know, get off my back. And then I explained that to our counselor when I had a session with her. And she says to me, you know, um, and this is why I love her because she was like straight up, you know, she's like, you know what, I'm going to tell you right now, Rachel, like you are never going to be that person who you were before. Okay. That person is gone. That person went with your brother. Okay. There's still core you that person is gone. So unless you learn how to accept that that person is gone and you are going to be a new person, someone else, like, you know, like no one else is going to accept that. So you have to accept that first. And then once you accept that, those that don't accept that, then maybe they don't need to be in your life anymore Mm -hmm. because this is, this is going to change you. And it gave me permission just like the pastor gave us permission to be angry at God when we needed to be and then apologize later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, God, I was just really angry that you took my brother, but I still love you. Uh, he, She gave us permission to say, no, I don't need time. You need to back off because I just lost my brother and I'm processing and I'm not, I can't give you a time frame on when I'll be better and back 100% because you know what? It may not be ever. 
Mm-hmm. So get off my back. And so she gave us permission to tell people, give us, <laughs> give us time, give you time, not give us time, give you time, give yourself some time, allow yourself some time to uh, learn the new us. Yeah. And if you don't like it, we love you and you, we wish you the best, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not the same person I was. And so, uh, in that dark space, that's where I'm thinking all these things. But luckily, you know, I will say this in every episode, I will say it over and over again. The people who carried us and the reason why we survived, you know, friends, family, in our support systems, because those are the reasons why I knew I had to stay here. I had to stay. I had to stay and not only take care of my parents, but I had to stay and just too many people. We have too many people in our corner rooting for us. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that. And, and Rudy, I couldn't do it. You know, Rudy wanted, wants me to stay here and uh, finish his legacy. Right. Right. So, um, in the aftermath, it gets really dark and it feels like rock bottom. It really does. But, and you can stay here. You can stay here for a long time. For me, I knew that I couldn't stay here because I don't, I'm not sure why it could be Rudy. I mean, who knows? Um, but I knew that I had, from the very beginning, I knew we had, I had to work through it. I was like, you know, and I knew you were just going to follow me, mm-hmm. but it's like, I can't not think about it. I can't work through it. I can't process it. I have to do this in the beginning because I'm not going to do this 10 years down the road, 15 and have a, a, a breakdown. Like I need to do it now. And so, um, that's again, where Megan, our counselor gave us the permission to, um, be in this dark place for one to three years, you know, because mm-hmm. I would express to her, um, I just, I want to fast forward, you know, and I want to just not like, I feel like, again, I was talking to her about that time. Like, I just, I just feel like we should, you know, be like further along or something. And she's like, no, I give you one to three years Mm -hmm. to be in this, in this stage right here. Like after three years, then I will intervene. Right. But it's pretty normal one to three years to be in that space. So, um, and that's where I was definitely that the first three years were the, was the hardest, the most difficult, the darkest, the like, we're not going to survive this. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, you can't see the future. You're like, you even start to do like this whole, and it's not against anyone. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I don't wish any ill on anyone else. It's like you're even, like you even get this like, okay, well, it's not fair. Like they get to, you know, do this and they get to live their lives. Like I said, smog, I feel like smog passed at the beginning of our adult lives. And it was like, okay, you know, you see all these people going on with their lives and, thriving in their adulthood you know and it's like just seeing other people be you know so happy and so complete in their families and 
And yeah, every family has issues, but they're still together, you know, and you're like, it's not fair, you know, that they get to go on and they have no idea that every day, like, I just don't even want to be here. But um, that's just normal. That's normal. We're human. Um, But it doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. Um, That's just part of doing the work and working through it. Okay, so there it is. That's the aftermath for us and what it looked like after that bomb was dropped. It really didn't survive, and we realized we, we, we did. Yeah. <laughs> We're still here, so we have to survive. So, um, again, that's for us rock bottom, and it was the most horrible part besides finding out he was gone. Gone. But uh, I promise you that from here we'll start reaching towards that light. We, we can't stay here. So... That was the aftermath. Um, I do want to, uh, my mom actually wants to share a dream um, that she had. And I believe you said it was the night he passed or the next night. It was after the the funeral. Okay. And uh, and so did my dad. My dad did too. And uh, if he doesn't share it, we want to have dad on here sometime too. He can maybe share his dream. But um, let's have mom share hers. Yeah, it was the 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 next night I had the dream, and it was just a uh, oh my god, it's hard. It's okay, mom, and it's okay. It feels good to cry sometimes. I'm sorry, but it does. I know. I know. Uh, I know. I guess it you was can do it. Said it was a way of him telling me that he was leaving. He had to go. And he, okay, there's a rosemary plant Rudy brought to me when he was in class. Culinary school. Culinary school. It was a tiny little thing. And he said, here, Mom, you're good at, you know, growing these things. Here, grow it if you can. It was just a little twig. And he actually, the backstory on that, he went to, when he was in culinary school, they went up to the CIA in yes, St. Helena. They had like a, a conference out there, some field trip. And he had gotten a piece from a chef, you know, a world-known mm-hmm. chef. It was supposed to be a And it's an heirloom. Heirloom. Heirloom rosemary, you know, twig, little piece. Mm-hmm. And so he brought it home to her. He brought it home to me. And <laughs> and yes, it did. I gr- It grew. It was gigantic, <laughs> like a little tree. <laughs> I remember And this. he was, yeah, he, you know, he's, wow. So I had that on the deck in one of those half wine barrel things and... That, well, that night, he came to me in my dream, and he was standing next to that rosemary. And he was glowing. He had a glow around him. It was like a golden aura around him. And he was so happy. He goes, Mom, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I seen, I seen everything, Mom. I he like he said he went to every place in the world. Yeah. And one night. Yeah. It was just so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but he was happy and he was talking and telling me. I seen it, I seen it, mom, and it's beautiful. And he just wanted me, I guess, to know that I you know, as a mother you worry about your children. How are they? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he just had to let me know. 
if there's, we know there's an after. Yeah. That he's happy. Yeah, he's in heaven. He's in heaven. Yeah. And he was letting you and know. And he was just letting me know, like, saying goodbye. Yeah. And. Like, I'm, I, I'm in heaven. I'm with God. And I'm seeing everything. Everything. I'm seeing heaven. I'm seeing all eternity. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the, the aftermath for me, I feel like, is, is like when you hear, when I hear someone loses a child or a sibling, oh, it just hurts. I'm like, yeah, oh, you can gosh, feel it. Because mm-hmm. I know what that family is going to go through. And because we believe in the Lord and heaven and that we'll all see each mm-hmm. other, including the rainbow, the, the, our pets. And Rudy's up there with all mm-hmm. the pets since I was oh, a baby. <laughs> believe, you know, like, right? you know, he's up there with all the dogs mm-hmm. and, you know, cats we've ever had. <laughs> so that's what we believe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so because that's what we believe is like, he's just letting us know, letting you know, like, mom, I'm, I'm with the Lord and I'm okay and all. I'll see you when I see you. See you. You know, mm-hmm. he was, and we're left, like, because, like, he's okay, you know, like, if this person is here on earth, and on earth is really where you suffer, because it's supposed to be heaven on earth, but it wasn't, right? Like, so that's, we believe that, so that was, it's okay for him to go, because he's okay, but the aftermath is us, like, the mm-hmm. family, so when I hear someone losing someone, I'm like, oh, because I know what they're about to go through. And and even though we can say, oh, you know, they're in a better place. And no. it's, but I know what this family is going to go through. And it just like, oh, it really just yeah, tears my heart. It grabs my heart. Right. It twists it. I'm like, oh, gosh, please, Lord, help them help in their them. first few years. And, and so that's why we're doing this. But exactly. anyhow, that was my last thought on the aftermath is, it's it's a lot about like the family that's left, right? Mm-hmm. The friends and family that's left. Okay, so thank you for sharing your dream, Mom. I really appreciate that. We will continue to share dreams that we have. Um, so today we want to end with our song. But before we do that, we just want to send uh, our sincerest condolences. And I know that sounds so vague, but we truly, truly do. And we truly feel your pain to uh to two new members of the club my friend april and her mother christine they lost april's older brother a few weeks ago and so unfortunately we welcome you to the club with open arms and healing vibes and we are here for you you were one of the people that are um some of the people because i know mom and april are we're doing this together, but that have been instrumental in our survival. So mm. for sure, uh, a- April and her family, entire family, not just her mom, her entire family is part of the reason why we are here on this, on these microphones today. So we welcome you to the club. We're here for you. Uh, we also wanted to send our condolences to Sinead O'Connor's family. Mm-hmm. Because we know that she recently uh, has passed away and that she had a son that passed away in 2022, I believe, to suicide. And I know that it affected her deeply, like it does, right? Right. To all of us. All of us. It affects all of us. And unfortunately, uh, she, you know, she did not, she did not survive it. And so we really just want to 
give our heartfelt, just sincere condolences to family. your family. And again, we feel your pain and we lift you up with our arms, mm-hmm. our, our arms in, in, in our, mm-hmm. we, we guide you and please don't give up. And we love you all. Okay. So, uh, last, lastly, we'll do, <clears throat> excuse me, sign off with our song and today we are signing off with a song by Pink <laughs> called Who Knew. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she wrote this about, uh, I, don't, I don't know if she actually wrote it, but the song is about, about her, her friend, friend or maybe a friend a, an ex-boyfriend. I don't remember, but exactly. I believe they passed away due to um, drug addiction. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but... To my belief, that's what the song is about. It's to right. her ex-boyfriend or friend uh, who passed away to addiction. So not the entire song hits home, but there are a lot of parts of the song for me okay. that, yes, I would listen to the song mm-hmm. and just cry and sing mm-hmm. top of my lungs in the car, in my house while I'm cleaning. Like this song really helped me get through. And so uh, the first verse you took my hand, you showed me how, you promised me you'd be around. Uh-huh, that's mm. right. <laughs> I took your words and I believed in everything you said to me. If someone said three years from now you'd be long gone, I'd stand up and punch them out because they're all wrong. I know better because you said forever and ever. Who knew? Okay. And then there's a part where she goes into this part, and I wish I could sing it, but I can't. (laughs) And I don't have the rights to it anyway, but (laughs) this is where I really let it all out. In this part, she says, Remember when we were such fools and so convinced and just too cool? I wish I could touch you again. I wish I could still call you a friend. I'd give anything. Who knew? You said forever. Who knew? I'll keep you locked in my head until we meet again. Mm-hmm. And I won't forget you, my friend. So that one is dedicated to the aftermath because that tells you who freaking knew. I would have never <laughs> believed, never imagined this. I'm in shock. <laughs> this is yeah. just, I'm still processing what what has happened to my life, to our lives. So... Great song. Listen to that when you need a right. little, when you need a little tear, tear and a little smile at the same mm-hmm. time, right? So again, we thank you so much for listening. Thank we you. We appreciate you letting us, allowing us to share our story, our truth, our reality. And sometimes it may be too much, but that's that's our lives. That's our so lives. thank you so thank much. You. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>